This is the Culture and Talent podcast from Nemours Children's Health. I'm Dr. Allison Kraft, the Director of Culture and Talent, joined by my colleague Jared Narlock, the Strategic Culture and Talent Program Manager. Today, Jared and I had a long conversation about what our topic was going to be. And it was interesting because we have heard over the past few weeks a lot of similar themes in terms of requests that we've been getting, and that's to have a broader dialogue on our Nemours core competencies. So we thought that today we would start a conversation around it. I think we'll probably, Jared, have to have multiple iterations of the podcast to pick up something that's really infused in daily development, but it's a great place to start. So really our goal for this as we start to think about core competencies is how can we start to think about these not as an annual goal or a number that is documented in performance management, but rather a lifelong learning and development journey. It is a shift in mindset. It is a shift in mindset that requires us to think about integrating development conversations around these competencies into daily functioning, into daily practice, not just something that's done at the end of the year as part of a performance management end of year conversation. These are actions that require strong relationships, trust, and openness to opportunity. But before we dive into the practical, uh, Jared, I thought maybe we could talk about what are competencies, just to make sure that everyone's starting from the level set. I think a lot of the times when people hear competencies, they may think about their own role-based competencies or the standards of behavior. But what we're really talking about here are cultural stewardship, relationship management, commitment to improvement and quality, effective communication championing change, those five things that are fundamental, regardless of role, whether you're clinical, non-clinical, patient-facing, behind the scenes, whether you've been here for a day or if you've been here for 50 years, that we would ask that you have some level of competency and proficiency so that we can have a set of expectations on how we embody our culture, achieve outcomes, create that environment of safety and belonging. And I think really important is that standard for accountability for how we show up and do our work daily. So really this idea of that shared language to drive consistency and equity when we think about performance. So with that long setting the stage about what a competency is, Jared, I would really love it if we could start this series by thinking about how we work through competencies in the context of a relational aspect of lifelong development versus transactional activities that happen once, twice a year, or when we close out performance management. So maybe we could start there. So from your perspective, how would you encourage people to start thinking about these very broad topics related to behavior and start to infuse them into our daily practice of development? Yeah, great question and breakdown there, Allison. And you know me, I, I like to connect things to stories. And so I'll share a story of competencies in an organization that they were new to an organization that I had the privilege to partner with years ago. And that's a great thing about competencies. While it's it's newer to our organization, it's something that's been around for a few years now. 
in enhancing the performance management experience that you said, the daily functioning pieces. And I had this leader, her name was Jamie, who came to me and said, I'm so excited about these competencies because I have a two-thirds associate. And I said, what do you mean a two-thirds associate? And she said, I have this individual who is very technically competent. You mentioned those job competencies, those technical competencies. And she said, he's outstanding at those. He's a go-to. And he's great with patients and their families. But she said, the problem is the fact that he should be a go-to, he's not because he's not a good team member. He thinks that his team members should know these pieces. And so if they come to him for a question because he's a great source of information from a technical competence standpoint, he oftentimes is very direct and in essence aggressive towards them telling them, oh, you should already know this. I'm not going to break it down for you. And so she said, I'm so excited about these competencies. When I think about relationship management and effective communication, there are things that I've tried to think about. And she had only been in her role for about six months. And she said, I've been thinking about how do I approach this? And when I saw the competencies, I thought this is it. And so we talked through some pieces and she actually invited me as part of the conversation because she wanted to connect me with him for some resources. And he said, yeah, that's fine for him to be here. And, and she said, what are you thinking about when you talk to a patient and their family? Because I've seen you do it and it's so wonderful. And she had already approached the conversation with him, letting him know that she saw some gaps, some opportunities from her perspective, but that she wanted to hear from his perspective. And he said, well, when I think about patients and their families, they're going through one of the toughest moments and I want to make it as easy as possible. And she said, well, why aren't you thinking that way with your team members? And he said, because they're here to do a job. And she said, but you don't know if they're going through a tough moment. Yes, they're here to do a job, but they may be going through a very tough experience. And while they may be giving their best today, remember our best looks different each day. And it was like a light bulb went off for him. Now, did he change overnight? No, but it opened up the door for a conversation. And he said, well, I never thought about that. And she said, think about it. They're bringing things in with them. And when they're asking a question, you have that ability to help them out. And so she talked about his approach and he was very open. He said, yeah, I'm thinking they should know this and I shouldn't have to break it down. And so she talked about connecting it to patients and their families. And so he talked about some things that he wanted to focus on. And the next time we met, he said, yes, this team member came and they asked me about this process. And I was ready to jump in and say, you should already know this process. And he said, I stopped myself. And I thought about what would this look like knowing that I don't have all the pieces to what's going on in their reality. And so he broke it down. And he did say after about three questions from them, he did get short with them. And he said, I I'm still, obviously I've got some work to do. But then he said, I had another team member come and ask me a few questions. And where immediately in my mind I went to, they should know this, I thought about the situation. And he used, he didn't know he was using it, but he used a method that, that we encourage people to use as you know, Allison, the SBI model, Situation Behavior Impact. It was, hey, if I'm helping this person answering these questions, the impact that it could have is they're going to take this back to patients and their families. And that opened up his whole perspective because he had been thinking about, hey, this is how the relationship is with me. They should know this. 
but I'm missing opportunities to help my team members create that great experience with patients and families that I want to ensure happens. And so when we take it to that everyday reality perspective, it, it comes to that piece of how can I help my team members knowing that I don't know what they're going through. I don't know their reality. So how can I connect with them? How can I bring it to patients and their families? Knowing that lots of times they'd rather be anywhere else than inside the walls of the healthcare system. How can I help them? And so that's what I encourage people is to, one, have open dialogue. What are those common daily occurrences? Where are things that are going well? How do we set that example for people to teach, coach, and mentor? Or where are their gaps? And how do we close that? And a great starting point is that situation, behavior, and impact. And starting from a a discussion of what is that situation? How is the behavior connected to one of those competencies? And what's the impact involved? And where can we go from there? So situation, behavior, and impact. The situation, Jared, is that you just had a mic drop moment about how you translate behaviors into concrete examples to help people grow. So the situation was, I was listening to you talk about the podcast. You were giving me an example of how a leader utilized the SBI formula. The behavior that I saw was that they were asking questions assuming that people every day are trying to do their best and that may look different on a daily basis. And the impact of that is it opened up the door for relationships at a deeper level to move the work forward, right? So mic drop moment, that's what we're talking about when we talk about core competencies. That's one of the big pieces here. It's not a goal. And so sometimes as leaders, that feels safer because I can say to you, here is the defined metric or the defined outcome that I want to see by the end of this year. But when we talk about behaviors, when we talk about cultural stewardship, it really is that lifelong journey. And so I want to reiterate something that you said is that every day, let's make the assumption that everyone is doing their best work, but that may look different every single day. And that could be because of external factors. Maybe it's a learning opportunity. So how do we think of these core competencies from a behavioral perspective as a progression daily, a progression of growth, an opportunity for conversation, an opportunity for feedback as we continually think about when it comes to behavior in the workplace? It's about progress, not perfection. And therefore, thinking about it within the context of a number While we, of course, at the end of the year, have to assign a number is not necessarily the methodology that we want to be thinking about. So could you talk to me just a little bit about what I just said? Because I want people to hear it from two different perspectives. That is a very different way of thinking, especially when something like a core competency is tied into something transactional, like a performance management system. So talk to me a little bit about how you perceive that to be different from a goal. How is competencies different from a goal for you? Sure. And you highlighted such an important piece there, Allison, of the fixation on a number. When performance management comes forward, we have gotten so used to that number and, and tying it to a number, but it's really what's involved in that. And this is also where it transitions from a goal, because I can have a goal and say, I want to attain this as an outcome. And here are the five steps that I'm going to go through to get there. Well, that's very different from a competency, right? It's not a check the box and I've, I've made it. I'm there. But a competency is something that core competency that we're showing up with every day. 
just like in the example with that employee and, and Jamie, that individual was having those interactions on a regular basis with his team members. And he had an opportunity to show up each day. And some days he made mistakes and he said, I got short with this person. Other days he said that went really well, but I have to still think about it. I have to work towards it. And so it goes beyond that number to say, okay, this person's meeting expectations, but really looking at that description and saying, what does that mean? Well, that means each day I'm coming in and let's use effective communication, that core competency as the focal point. And I'm saying, I'm being mindful of my communication. I'm flexing it based on this person over here who likes short, succinct bullet points. I'm flexing it with this person over here who wants the whole picture. I'm being mindful of tone of voice and and what's going to meet them where they're at and how that message is being received. And that takes work. Instead of just saying, well, this is the way I communicate and everybody should adhere to that. And so thinking about those interactions, where it goes well and how do I duplicate with others that want it that way and where's an opportunity. And that is being consistent in focusing on effective communication, which is great. I'm meeting that expectation. And so many people say, well, that's the, the, the midpoint. That's the three. But the reality is that's where we want people at. There's still growth opportunity in that exceeding expectations and outstanding. And how do we grow to that? And I look at someone growing in that to say, okay, if I'm meeting it daily, then am I also turning to my team member? And if I see, you know, there's a potential gap there that I'm willing to step in and give feedback. And that's where a lot of team members say, oh, I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to give feedback. I'm doing great. But that's where it becomes real is now I'm teach coaching and mentoring and we're opening up that door for more healthy conversation. And I'm going beyond just the norm for myself. And that's where I've seen the competencies, the core competencies really change cultures where it's really interesting meeting expectations in year one and two looks very different in year three and four, where you have a team that is giving each other feedback and that's now actually meeting expectations. And it's a great piece. And now we're growing in a different way. And so it's, it's going beyond that number and simply saying it's here and it's going beyond a goal saying this is the outcome and now I've achieved it. But to knowing that that, that level of competency can change as we grow and we change over time. And I'd love to get your perspective on that, Allison, because it's one of those things that I've seen you do so wonderful in my time with you as my leader of not saying, okay, this is the end point and you've made it, but still having some of those those regular conversations and saying, hey, how did this feel different from this? Because I've seen you reflect on it differently and grow on it. And so any thoughts around that? I would say I want to pull a thread you dropped there when you were talking about the leader who was really trying to grow and learn and that acknowledgement that they had when they said some days it went well, some days it doesn't work well, but it's really about our intentionality in learning and development. That means that you are meeting the expectations of your role, that we acknowledge the good days, we acknowledge the bad, but it's always that forward progression. I like to think about these within the context of, do I have more growth to do? If the answer is no, then maybe I'm exceeding or outstanding when it comes to performance. And so I like to put it in a slightly different way as people think about it, because the issue with trying to always say, well, I'm a five in this core competency, it makes it very difficult for people to give meaningful feedback 
or to really give people the time and the space to create true behavior change. Behavior change takes time. It takes time for people to see it and for people to trust it. I always use the weight loss example. Even if I start my weight loss journey and I'm starting to feel better and my clothes are fitting better, it's going to take, you know, for me to lose 10, 15, 20 pounds before other people are seeing it. And so that's what we talk about when we think about competency projection. And so how can we integrate that into a lifelong learning development? I always talk about that there is this false equivalency that a five on competencies equals an A. No, a three is your A. That means that you have great performance in the area that you are performing in, whether that's from cultural stewardship or relationship management. A four and a five suggests to me that you are ready for the next challenge from a role perspective. And when you get into that next role, you're probably going to go back to a three because the challenges you're going to face, whether it's from systems level thinking or interacting with a different level of leadership, are going to change. For you to sit in a four or five, I say the 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 person who has a three, they're making the A in the class. The person who is is the four is probably the teach, coach, and mentor, the one that individuals are looking to, to say, wow, Jared does that really well. The five is probably the person who is doing the TED Talk, who is writing the book that everyone who's a four is looking to emulate so that they can teach, coach, and mentor the three. It's a different way of thinking. And it would be easy to say, well, that's silly. Let's just say if you're meeting expectations, it's a five and be done with it. But that limits our potential to explore what our true growth opportunities can be. And I would say for those people who are struggling with validating it because I'm an overachiever, I want to get the five. I would ask you, are you in the 1% who everyone else would emulate? Because only about 1% of people can say they have true competence in something when it comes to behavioral perspective. And that is a lifelong journey and a lifelong commitment and something that is very positive if we look at it through the lens of we're helping each other be better every single day through feedback, through relationship management, through leadership and acknowledging where we truly are as individuals. And if we have that as our call to action, if we consistently come in and say, I can do better, I can create more positive change, think about the impact that we can have on our patients, our families, and each other. So that is my perspective and how we think about a three versus a five when it comes to competencies and how we use these as an underpinning for performance conversations. I think you just closed it out right there. Can I get a mic drop moment? Is it my turn? Mic drop. Like, that's okay. where we end it. <laughs> you know, we're right there. I'm like, that's, I think that's great. And I, I think the only thing we close out is just saying we're going to continue to build off of this, you know. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast as we're starting our journey to explore the lifelong learning of core competencies together. And we'll pick up next episode with talking about how we give more concrete examples around our different core competencies. Thank you for listening. The Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast is produced and edited by Carol Vassar Media Productions for Nemours Children's Health. Music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Your questions, comments, and ideas about the podcast are welcome. Just email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. Find this and our flagship podcast, Champions for Children, on your favorite podcast app. And thanks for listening.